Hello and welcome to Astrology Hotline, the podcast where we answer all your burning birth chart and astrology questions. Joining me today is Joji. Hello, hello. Thanks for coming, Joji. Yeah, of course. And we're going to be just answering a couple questions about, about my favorite topic, malefics, of course. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, how are things going for you, Joji? Things are going good. I just moved. Um, very nice. Which actually is very... Uh, oh, yeah. I noticed your background. Within, yeah. Within the topic of uh, Mars, because it was a Mars transit for me. Uh, mm-hmm. It was very interesting. Um, it was a very positive transit. So not all Mars transits are negative, right? everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good time. A little stressful, but good uh, nonetheless. It's a, it's a good time. Yeah, I developed this complicated relationship with mars but i've it's also gotten simple in its complexity where i'm like uh i do my little prayer to mars uh, mm-hmm. every tuesday you know sometimes on the hour of mars on other days and um just like to give mars the benefit of the doubt you know right <laughs> like he might he might uh fuck some shit <laughs> up but you know it's usually it's like strong. uh tends to be productive stuff for me overall or, or yeah just major events that are not always uh, of the severing and cutting nature. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that uh, we, we were on Twitter the other day talking about this. Uh, I posted oh, like yeah. a, a little meme <laughs> of uh, malefics ruling the good houses mm-hmm. and how that sometimes can be such a, an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I uh, rely on Mars for probably the most important areas of my life. So, right. you know, as much as uh, as I sort of, you know, man the battlements and stuff when Mars comes around, I'm also um, often pleasantly surprised by mm-hmm. by the positive things Mars brings as well. So, yeah. you know, can't can't uh, right off the bad guy. I just try to uh, respect Mars, you know? Yes. We'll probably get into that as we... As we start our first question, do you want to dive in? Yeah, of course. Let's go. All right. <clears throat> so our first question comes from Becca. And Becca writes, I've been into astrology for a long time now, and my group of friends usually look to me to give them answers about their birth charts and transits that are coming up. I've always preferred giving advice over trying to predict the future, but since I started studying traditional astrology more, I'm having a harder time knowing what to tell people when I see a hard transit coming up. So hoping for some tips on working with Mars specifically, I have a friend with Mars and Gemini in the fourth house who has a rocky relationship with her family. And with the Mars retrograde coming up, I'm worried about what that could mean for her. What are some ways someone might prepare for a difficult Mars transit or a difficult Mars placement? Yeah, that is a good, good question. <laughs> and that Mars retrograde for sure has a lot of people thinking. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me, especially. It's, it's actually really funny. Uh, we're just talking about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, very nice that uh, I'm the one talking about this because that Mars retrograde is actually stationing on top of my little Mars. So I've been like doing a, a lot degree, of right? thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and by primary directions, um, I have the degree exactly sextile that, uh, and it's a Mars term is rising for me. So that is a, mm. some big moments. <laughs> so I've already been in that mode I, since probably like last year, um, thinking 
how am I going to deal with this? What does it even mean? Because I, I think one of the, the best ways to um, target remediation is to first try to figure out what this is, the, the, does this actually mean in the life? Mm-hmm. What does it actually bring forth? And then once you have that predictive power, and I think that, that that's one of the misconceptions about traditional astrology. It's not that the prediction is actually what you're delivering to the client, is the power to predict can give you insight into what is it that that person might actually need. So starting there is always the good place, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I, I struggled with that kind of philosophically for a long time. And mm-hmm. when I came to the conclusion that I was no closer to um, knowing definitively whether or not there is such a thing as free will, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. even after studying astrology, uh, I was just kind of like, well, let's assume that we have some. And right go with that and do what we can. And I find, I mean, I feel like I have uh, definitely had transits, especially in this last year or so that I was expecting a lot worse. And I don't know how Mm -hmm. much of that is, uh, you know, preparing, kind of having a sense of what might come. Um, I do a lot of work with Mars myself in particular, and it seems to make up a large body of my clients uh, are sort of children of Mars um, one way or another. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I get a lot of Mars yeah. people. Um, <laughs> I don't get a lot of Mars people at really? all. Really? <laughs> what kind of I get all get? the Jupiters and Venus. Oh, <laughs> boring. <That's, laughs> it is boring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, give me some problems to, right? to work with. <laughs> oh, but you I have, love bringing good news. You I, do have I Jupiter think, in your seventh house. So. I do have Jupiter in my yeah. seventh, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have Saturn. So, <laughs> and it's actually, uh, I found out this recently when I got a reading with um, Christopher Renstrom and I have Venus Quincunx, uh, Jupiter too. So it's funny how <laughs> the Jupiter and Venus people are always kind of like popping up. You know, s- slight digression, but you know, very, <laughs> this, is, this is the brand. Uh, <laughs> um, I have started rethinking Quincunxes a little bit just because um, I've been working a lot with uh, Ada Pembroke and... Mm-hmm. Um, she's like a evolutionary astrologer, kind of Mm -hmm. mixing traditional techniques as well. Um, but she gave me a good, like explanation for quincunxes as sort of like planets you tend to like stumble over, like sort of run into, Mm -hmm. like you can't really see them, but then it's like, Oh, there you are. And yeah, uh, I do have a moon Venus quincunx and cool ends up being kind of an apt metaphor for just my general discomfort in um, being overly warm and fuzzy uh, a lot of the time. Granted, <laughs> granted, you can find that in a lot of places in my chart, but it's that's fair. But I've come a long way with it. So. <laughs> yeah, quincunxes quincunxes are really cool, and I think yeah. that there are some ways to explain it with the theme of Mundi as well, which is something that I'm actually working on, um, writing a little thing about. But that's for later. That's yeah, we topic. should totally talk about this. <laughs> I could go on. Um, uh, but yeah, Mars, uh, yeah. talking about Mars, remediating Mars, we have a starting point, like mm-hmm. trying to figure out what does this mean? And I think, yeah. um, especially with this Mars retrograde and with all planetary placements where I start is always the qualities and just thinking of, um, uh, Mars is hot and dry. And then now we're trying to think of Mars stationing retrograde staying in this sign that is also hot and moist for six months. And what does that mean? Yeah. Like, Right away, we know that heat is the is the thing that's running the show. Um, and then the 
moisture kind of uh, mitigate some of the, the Mars sort of uh, dryness. So yeah. I think that's a, a good way to start thinking about it. So we know that to remediate it, we're trying to bring something that's cooling and calming. Um, and I think that's the, the biggest mistake a lot of people do when thinking about remediation, uh, especially with the malefics, is that, oh, yes, I have a Mars issue, then let's do Mars things. And that's not always the case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you actually want to avoid doing Mars things or yeah. you want to do things that are complementary to that. Um, and I think that Mars and Gemini is actually a really good case of um, having to not do martial things, but try to bring a little bit of Venus, perhaps, uh, to to bring a little bit more of the, the cooling effect. Um, and even maybe because it will be trying Saturn this whole time, we can even lean uh, on a little bit of Saturn um, as well. Um, working with malefics and uh, in conjunction with another malefic can be a little bit tricky because then you're adding more difficulty into a different difficult situation. You're really using two difficulties to balance each other out. Um, but it's not impossible. Um, it is harder, but it's definitely doable. Um, yeah. For sure. Uh, actually sort of like that the, there's the uh, Saturn trine. With yeah. It. It's, while they're both, you know, ten, they point to difficult topics in life. Um, Saturn hmm. is a, just a different kind of difficult, <laughs> really. Yeah. And, um, you know, to some degree, like uh, whether you have a day or a night chart or um, what those planets are doing in your chart, obviously you're going to impact it, but you can almost maybe lean on the one that's a little friendlier to you um, yes. to some degree. Like I'm always uh, thinking about Saturn and adding Saturn to everything, just mm -hmm. sort of like adding a little bit of discipline or a little bit of self-control to the situation, yeah. which really helps with Mars because Mars, um, I think what makes working with Mars so difficult is that it's very erratic. Uh, yes. And it's not when it comes to, you know, maybe designing uh, practice around Mars, you're very rarely going to either specifically get to just not do mars or just do mars you know you usually need yeah. a combination um because i don't think you can just sort of sweep mars under the rug and you know leave him to his own devices definitely you will, yeah, he will <laughs> come he will, make himself, yeah. <laughs> he will make himself known um and that's why you know one of the almost blanket things that i do which is just common sense um is just get some physical exercise um, is a yeah. good way to, to get in touch with Mars, give Mars a little bit of a job. Um, mm -hmm. I tend to pick Tuesday, which is the day of yes. Mars, um, which is a good starting point for building a practice around. I usually choose Tuesdays to not do um, mm -hmm. rigorous physical exercise. Um, that is going to depend maybe a lot on, on what your Mars is doing. Yeah. Um, Sometimes, you know, we need to just sort of, we do need to beef Mars up so he doesn't mm -hmm. get his ass kicked on the playground. Um, yeah. But other times we need to to chill Mars out a little bit. Uh, because, and it's, um, you know, oh, no, 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 so sorry. It'll wreak havoc if you <laughs> yeah. give him too I much I got power. so excited. No, no, no. Go for it. Um, but that's such a good point, too, because um, if we're trying to think um, about Mars and uh, remediating Mars and what that means is that we're trying to get to a temperate Mars as closely as we want. Yeah. And what that means is really we want Mars and Scorpio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mars yeah. in its own home 
uh, and a nocturnal sign that has the opposite qualities that it has. Uh, Mars is hot and dry. Scorpio is cool and moist. So it really balance, balances Mars. Mm -hmm. and so whenever we're trying to um, do anything to remediate, we're always trying to get as close to that Mars and Scorpio as we want. Um, and that might not be in this example, like with uh, Gemini, it might not be as accessible because Gemini Scorpio don't have too, too much in common, but they do have that level of moisture. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the things that we can sort of um, think about is what are the moist qualities or the, the, the qualities that are inviting and promote uh, togetherness and union of Scorpio that are also present in Gemini and how can we play with those two sort of things and who knows maybe there is a planet in Scorpio at that time that you can also uh, tap into I, I believe um well Scorpio is a tough yeah. spot right now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, because of all the eclipses and I was trying to think about uh the Mars retrograde and I don't think that there's much to work with Scorpio there but just that idea of coolness and only attacking or one only um um i guess charging forth when the time is right i think that that's what scorpio is really good at and with gemini thinking about the excess heat is that it will tend towards more of the explosive side of mars of like this is what i'm thinking i'm right <laughs> yeah uh this is this this is the right way of doing it uh no questions asked um, but even just having that awareness that those things are more in the air, whether that's, um, you doing that, um, me, I have Mars natal Gemini, I'm more likely to be <laughs> the person that's like, no, I'm the right one. Uh, and I need to argue right now, but yeah. sometimes it can be, um, someone else and either way, just having that awareness that that's something that's there. It allows you to then be like, okay, we're we're thinking Scorpio here. This is the moment. <laughs> let's let's just wait until it's the right time. And then maybe it is that you're right and you're trying to um you're waiting for the right opportunity to really deliver that message, or it is that you're wrong and you really just need the time to realize that you're wrong and course yeah. correct. So that that waiting, I think, is um a good way of thinking about working with Morse throughout this um Morris retrograde. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I do like that thinking about like Mars and Scorpio specifically, because that is kind of the archetype of Mars. Mm -hmm. I think for me that I'm always shooting for, um, e Mars and Capricorn too large to be yeah. too. Mm -hmm. Uh, but Mars and Scorpio, it, how it might differ maybe from like Mars and Gemini is the ability to like, uh, stay the course on something. Yeah. Mars and Scorpio typically, well, you say typically because it's rare that you get like a totally perfect, unafflicted Mars and Scorpio even, but Mars and Scorpio is good at actually like acknowledging defeat, uh, yeah. <laughs> sort of around this, the, it's part of the symbolism of, uh, Scorpio is the, this idea of ball life retreating to some degree, mm -hmm. um, but returning, coming back with, yeah. you know, lessons kind of learned, uh, returning from the dead, if you will. Yeah. Um, that's why you can't really defeat mars and scorpio you can beat them but like they will always come back <laughs> <laughs> and that is maybe mars and gemini might have a little hard time harder time with like staying power 
um, or just yes. committing mm-hmm. to a battle. Uh, actually, have a really uh, good example of of a Mars and Gemini who actually was a very accomplished military commander, Charles the Twelfth, oh, wow. who I always love talking about, but won't get too much into his story. But actually, an excellent military strategist and tactician. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually all about just going on the attack on uh, overwhelming the opponent, attacking right. them on multiple ends, and just being so overwhelmingly offensive that the uh, the enemy just had nothing, just couldn't respond mm-hmm. to it. Um, so that fits to me a lot with Mars and Gemini, but that's also, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can use that, but you can also be, you want to be wary of maybe that being the, the kind of Mars that will come. Um, yeah, 100%. So you, you, you don't always know if it's going to be all you or all someone else. It's usually, I mean, it's usually a, a mixture. Mix. Yeah. But, yeah. But I think to uh, thinking about that, it's good to think about that in both roles, because then you have a really holistic understanding of what that means. Because if you are that person trying to overwhelm your enemies, then I guess the the thing to think about is what could go wrong by doing that, about yeah. exerting all of my energy into one move um what could i miss and then on the other flip side is that if you are the person being overwhelmed by how is it that you can protect your surroundings and um also have um a plan like a plan b in case things get really sour Mm -hmm. um i think is um is really good because one of the things that mars and gemini is excels at is really that quick wit of just like thinking in the moment really quickly and that's where the the heat really shines um but then we also have to be careful to not use that that heat and the impulsiveness in times where it's not necessary or where it's not even invited um you know yeah <clears throat> yeah i always like to think of um when a mars transit is coming a big one uh mm. like a retrograde just in general is like you want to uh, almost baby proof that area of life a little bit, like yeah. add some uh, those little like uh, bumpers on the, the corners of your desks, you know, mm-hmm. stuff just that, like some padding, some extra pads uh, yeah. around stuff there because, you know, you're going to it's it, there's going to be a little bit of a ruckus there. And it's not necessarily like a, a, a it may not be an especially negative one, but it, it's like you want to prepare the field. Uh, of battle mm-hmm. right you, you want to kind of get your your defenses up prepare for all the possibilities and yeah be ready to respond when things come and you can mm-hmm. usually look at mars in your own chart to get maybe a sense of you know how mars will come to you in general but then also sort of pair that with uh the transit yeah uh, i think in the case of like uh becca's friend um Mars in the, in the fourth house. It's like you kind of already get a sense of just by looking at her life, like, okay, relationship with the parents is already kind of rocky. So mm-hmm. it may be a good uh, idea to sort of lay the groundwork. Like you were saying, almost have like an escape plan, like an alternative uh, in case things yeah. don't work mm-hmm. out. Um, but sort of like to, to lay the ground, maybe prepare some padding, maybe uh, sort of soften your parents up beforehand. Um mm-hmm. But I think, too, with um, thinking about Mars and a mutable sign, too, mm. is that it's not even that you need a plan B, is that you need a plan B, C, D, E, F, G. It's like multiple things going sour at the same time. And 
And one of the things that, as you were speaking, I was really thinking about is how um, in the astrology podcast they've been doing the 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 science series, and one one of the topics that always comes back is how the 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 sign that follows a particular sign remedies the the previous one. And thinking about cancer as a remedy to Gemini, and it's not that cancer is fixed; it's not a fixed sign. It is not a thing that um, is inflexible. It's not that you're trying to um, stop doing multiple things at the same time or stop considering multiple things at the same time and think of one. Uh, cancer is just more flexible, like water. If we're trying to think about um, also rem- remediating the heat of Mars, it's just the flexibility of going with the flow and then making that decision on spot. It's not so much having a final plan. It's about having many different ideas of where things can go. And then in the moment when you have that that big palette of different uh, pathways and strategies that you can take, you just pick the one that makes the most sense and you kind of just go with it. Um, and I think now that's the thing that cancers as a whole are very good at doing. Um, but yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. I Kind of has me thinking a little bit about Mars and Scorpio too, and just maybe the 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 relationship with wetness that Mars does have, and that um, it often becomes more protective of uh, the connection, right? It, it's sort of like a there's the preserving element of Mars that yeah. wants to uh, protect the connection from outside invaders, right? And you get that a bit with uh, Mars and Cancer, and Mars and Scorpio, and Mars and Cancer too, and it's almost like it's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's crux, if you will. Like is the it's like Mars at home. Um mm-hmm. and it has to be very careful about lashing out and uh, the possibility yeah. of, of lashing out against loved ones or you know people close to you. Mm-hmm. Um in Mars and Gemini, uh almost a sense that Mars and Gemini could think that it's being like playful when really it's it's being very cutting um yes doing damage. <laughs> so i feel called out <laughs> <laughs> which i mean you can um in fact it's i mean it's making me to think of like uh you can kind of look at maybe the scorpio house too uh but i know for me like i have scorpio fifth house you do too joji uh, yeah and one of the things that i uh, always helps me connect with mars and i keep real re-realizing it over and over again is like playing um war games like laser tag or mm-hmm. or just games of competition i've been playing a lot of chess lately and oh, oh nice it's so fun but it like meets that sort of need to connect with like zero sum games where i win mm-hmm. you lose or vice versa and even um sort of refining your relationship with losing or winning you know you can get really sore winners you can get really sore losers and part of the problem with like mars and too much mars which might happen during a retrograde Mm -hmm. is that thinking about everything in terms of winning or losing or you know you can get too defensive or get too aggressive and when you have a clean healthy sort of relationship with when is when is it combat when are we uh in a situation where there's a winner and a loser what what are mm-hmm. the actual stakes here, and do I need to apply um, apply that mentality to this, or is there another way of looking at it? 
Right. And I think to, uh, and maybe we want to segue into more of a, like, how do you even identify which type of Mars <laughs> you're dealing with <laughs> yeah. in your own chart? Because yes, it is Mars retrograde in Gemini, but then that will speak directly to whatever Mars natally is doing for you. So to, like I said in the beginning, to do remediation, it's not just okay, so let's just do Mars things for all this time, or let's mm -hmm. avoid doing Mars things for all of this time. It's how, um, what, what, what do I need really <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, in this moment, you know? Um, so do we want to do that? Is that a thing that we were going to do? <laughs> yeah, we can uh, sure. go into that a bit. Uh, I feel like that's a huge topic that we, I don't know if we can tackle it entirely. Yeah, I, I just don't know if there there are more questions about Mars uh, and we want to look at different questions or if we would like to do a little bit of like a rules of thumb sort of thing. I, I think rules of thumb yeah. is a good idea. I've been um, actually putting together a sort of comprehensive but basic kind of guide uh, around remediation. Mm -hmm. which you can find on my website, kylepierceastrologer.com. Nice. I think it is good to be able to get a sense of like what your Mars is doing. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, what are some of the things that you look for sort of initially? Maybe like the, what's your top three? Um, I guess top one would be is a Sunday or a night chart. Because um, mm -hmm. right away that tells a lot of different things about Mars. Um, and not just like Mars is the worst planet for a day chart. It's also um, depending on which sign Mars is and all these other things all depend on day and night. Um, and we can get a lot more nuance mm -hmm. that way. Um, so just identifying if you're born during the day and then Mars having the potential to be more troublesome, but not always being more troublesome. Um, and same thing with the night, um, Mars being more beneficial and, um, but not always being more beneficial. It really also depends into, in the second category, I think is uh, that I always look is what houses uh, Mars rules, mm -hmm. because even let's say you're in a night chart and Mars is more beneficial and you're thinking that, okay, so because Mars is more beneficial for me, I want to boost that Mars, but let's say Mars rules your 12S. <laughs> yeah. You probably wouldn't want to boost that Mars uh, because it could lead to some other complications to do with the 12th half. So um, like, um, I guess some sort of like issues with um, excessive anger, especially not uh, really wanting to interact with people because uh, out of anger and things like that. So um, I guess my top two would be <laughs> yeah. um, house system. And I think the third, would be, or is Mars natively for this person? And what aspects does Mars have? Um, because one of the, one of my favorite things to do, especially um, in my remediation work is to think about what other planets might be supporting the Mars mm -hmm. and might be less troublesome to work with um, that by boosting them, you could actually help Mars. Um, and I think that that's, almost always the safest option. Um. <laughs> that actually is a good point. And it, it makes me think about uh, Venus, actually, and how Venus is mm -hmm. um, traditionally and just kind of intuitively the planet that is uh, best at 
um, smoothing out Mars, or at least repairing Mars' yeah. damage, because that is what Venus does, is mm-hmm. you know, smooth over and mend, uh, harmonize, and, and find mm-hmm. a chord, create a chord. Uh, but I also think about uh, music a lot and how yes. music, uh, you know, the was it music soothes the savage beast, right? Um, mm-hmm. And how much I end up using music, uh, not even like consciously, I think for a long time, uh, as sort of remediation maybe. Um, but uh, like I'll listen to, uh, especially on, well, just in general, I can't even say that I do it on a, specific day that much but i like listen to a lot of you know metal but like i like it to be you know good sounding like i don't i don't like you know to be too trudgy or or like mm-hmm. dissonant like i like good harmonious yeah. um marsy sort of music and that's like a nice way to approach it is just you know you can do you can beef up venus a little bit and help smooth mars out um i think just yeah. that way like because you're sort of counteracting a little bit Venus is also good at like seeing, you know, the good in people and just sort of meeting them where they are. Uh, but you, you know, you can't do all Venus all the time. Sometimes you have to meet fire with fire. So yes, working with like Mars a little more directly, uh, kind of connecting, like you were saying, Joji, with the um, with the chart and like you know the houses that it rules. Like what what do you need Mars for? What uh, areas right. of life is Mars in charge of? What mm-hmm. uh, house is it in? You know, wh- where is it um, most required that you work with Mars? And where is Mars, you know, most likely to cause trouble to? Right. You know, it's uh, you kind of have to look at it with both uh, from both ends. Mm-hmm. But I think Mars ruling the 12th house, too, which is actually for Sagittarius and Taurus rising. Always yes. going to be the case. Um, I actually have a, a cheat sheet right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, of like the signs that definitely should not boost Mars. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Sagittarius, um, Virgo, and Taurus would be the three that I primarily would probably not go for boosting Mars. And sometimes even Scorpio, depending, because um, Mars rules the first, but it also rules the sixth. So... And even though they're ruled by the same planet, that's one of the things that you kind of have to be a little bit more careful with. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, signs that could benefit from a little bit of boosting can be cancer if it's a a night chart um, and Aquarius if also it's a, well, that's That's a a tricky one, but (laughs) that is Aquarius is a more tricky one. Uh, (laughs) But yes, we can definitely go with a night chart as well. Um, and I was also going to say a different thing about, oh yes, because you were talking about, um, using Venus as a remediatory planet for Mars, but I think another one that might be really good, especially since we're talking about Mars and Gemini primarily is the Mm -hmm. moon because of that, what we already talked about with cancer, but also the moon being the luminary of the night, which is, um, the sect that Mars belongs to and the moon also being naturally cool and moist um, and having those sort of counteracting uh, qualities to it as well. And um, one of the things that I always think about is uh, movement and dance when I think about the moon mm-hmm. and how those can be um, really good to get um, 
just the Mars juices out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and especially thinking about Mars and Gemini, um, because of the hands, I think, of drumming and really um, listening to a lot more percussive music or actually performing along with um, percussive instruments, um, even going to drum circles, I think are also very um, useful in that sense because it not only is talking about Mars, but like the idea of slapping the drum with your hands, it's like Mars and Gemini, but also a drumming circle, people are coming to be united as like a family, all drumming along together. And that to me really speaks of the lunar um, way of channeling or of um, soothing some of the, those Mars um, drives and impulses too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I always think about because I, you know, I read about war all the time because it's my hobby. <laughs> uh, um, but like armies um, always traditionally or in, historically uh, for most of human history, when you wanted to get a, a group of, of dudes together to fight, you had a band, you had uh, a drummer mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever uh, other mobile instrument that your culture uh, tended mm-hmm. to use, you would bring that with the army because it, um, you can organize the march around it. Uh, it also boosts morale. Uh, and yeah. you can signal to the rest of the army, you know, and organize and, yeah, signal. Um, and get, like, you know, the army pumped up. But you don't mm-hmm. want to, like, with an army, you don't want um, to just throw a mob at your enemy. You want to decide when you attack. You want to decide where you attack. You want to decide which part of your army you send at what time. Right. And music was, like, the critical tool for doing that and it just uh it makes sense to me i, I don't know like music is mm-hmm. like how you you temper mars in, in a lot of ways like it, it's uh you know if you're feeling like really whew, feeling a little tight you know <laughs> getting angry you can um you can play some music to help sort of redirect the energy i love dancing too uh yeah dancing was something that like i had a big hang up about personally for a long time but then when i started dancing i was like wow this is this is great, right? <laughs> like, I don't know why I haven't been doing this. Um, oh man, that's funny. One other thing too that I was thinking about. Um, oh man, it escaped my mind now. <laughs> um, oh, what was it? Mars, Gemini. Oh yes, and um, one of the things that I, I've been also been thinking about is that. Yes, the retrograde comes in a little bit later, but we're getting Mars and Gemini very, very soon. So yeah. it's tarts in September, end of August, I think. Um, and as we're starting with uh, this Mars in Gemini, we actually have um, Mercury in Libra. And we also have that Saturn in Aquarius. And it's very interesting to have that grand shrine between those three and but even more interesting when you consider that mercury is also going to retrograde in libra um, and go back into virgo so we have that mercury libra mars gemini saturn and aquarius for quite a little bit of time until we basically get to that retrograde um and i think that this is actually a really good opportunity to start those sort of activities and Mm -hmm. really start to thinking think about uh, what sort of routines and what sort of um um strategies you're gonna take as this transit progresses because it is a grand trine in air and it's all about thinking and uh 
getting organized and sorting through your ideas, but also it's Mercury and Libra. And with Mercury and Libra, we like we're talking about music and harmony and all those things. I, I always think of like what sort of strategies can we come up with to harmonize and establish a system where we can all like work with our differences and mm. with our struggles uh, together. I think Mercury and Libra can be really good at that. So taking this time like early September to start those activities uh, would probably be the best because then by the time you get to the actual retrograde, they're they're already more established and you get a little bit of that Saturn and Aquarius like being dignified and about to station direct um, to really bring, bring in some of the diligence that you'll need to, to remediate Mars for six months. That's a quite a, a long time yeah. <laughs> to remediate, even though there are some, um, some exercises that will take years. <laughs> yeah. This is probably like one of the shorter, but yeah, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Actually sort of thinking about it in terms of like Mercury's going to be in like a, a Venus ruled sign and then kind of switch over to its sign hmm. of exaltation. Right. And it's like uh, both have like their own way of sort of being helpful, I think, to Mars. Yeah. Granted, you know, Mercury's going to get a square from Mars. Um, yeah, but not very tightly. It will be yeah. like super far and then Mercury will go uh, back into Libra right away. But it's yeah. sort of like a, you can add some a combination of maybe sweet talking Mars a little bit and also yes. getting Mars to like think things through. <laughs> slow down you know uh, mm-hmm. or applying that mars energy to uh, like an intellectual task mm-hmm. of some kind in a, a more uh productive way but writing yeah. for me and, and mars don't always mix so well uh but i know that uh actually a lot of like authors and stuff will have like mars i've seen it a lot mars and gemini specifically uh with arthur's uh arthur's <laughs> with authors writers in general because there is a uh the the pen is my sword kind of approach that yeah i was also doing uh, some research to get ready for this and i i saw one of the like the repeating sort of like motifs with mars and gemini or like mars and mercury together is the idea of uh, of uh persecution mm. and like really like fighting to prove that you're you're guilty yeah. <laughs> sort of thing yeah. and uh and I think it, it might even be a fun way, especially while Mercury is in Libra, to watch a little bit more of those, like sort of like law and um, like uh, mm. law disputes or any sort of dispute, really, to get acquainted and to try and understand the whole Mars and Gemini process. Because um, it's with remediation, it's really easy to think about, oh, this is a thing that we don't want, or this is a thing that's wrong or faulty, but it's really a thing that is part of a process and that part of the process is just not as comfortable as the other bits. Mm-hmm. So I think understanding the, the value of that, of when you actually need somebody to be that hot-headed Mars and Gemini to succeed um, can, it can be really helpful for you to understand when it is that you actually need that in your life and when it's uh, going off balance a bit. Totally. Yeah. The idea is like you, you don't want to eradicate Mars because you, you need Mars. Yeah. Um, it has a role in your chart, has, you know, rules, houses, but it's also like part of the system. Mm-hmm. And you need 
that part of the system that serves a purpose. Yeah. Um, one thing that uh, can be a, a generally easy thing too is um, gemstones. Yeah. Again, you want to be careful about gemstones with, you don't want to juice up the planet too much yes. or, and so it might, you know, vary a little bit what kind of stone you go for, mm -hmm. but I do tend to like Hemtite for Mars overall. Um, in most cases, it's, it's not a bad stone to wear because it has that more of that protective yes. quality as opposed to like, like bloodstone or something that might. Uh, Actually, the, the, yeah, you like bloodstone. For bloodstone. Um, I, I I was just find, find, finding this out. I just found this out yesterday. Um, not for Mars. Actually, it was for the Sun. Uh, oh yeah, apparently yeah, that, yeah. it's one of the the the, the stones are really good um, for eclipses, like protection mm. against eclipse energy yeah. and things like that. Uh, which I thought was very interesting. Um, I think. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I'm going to say it was Agrippa, but I am not 100% sure on that one. It might have been like Albiruni or someone else like that. But um, yeah, they're like, if you combine that stone with the flower, because there's a flower of the same name, I think it's a heliotrope. Um, I think heliotrope oh, yeah. is one of the other names for the stone or something like that. Um, but yeah, also another protective stone that I, didn't think it was. <laughs> no, it's funny because there is so much overlap between the sun and Mars mm -hmm. um, in terms of like, you know, which stones you choose or which colors you might yeah. want to wear. Um, but they're very similar planets, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost like you, I uh, end up just thinking about Mars as kind of the extreme version of, of the sun in of a lot sun, of ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're both hot and dry planets. The sun is about, you know, taking action and, uh, you know, showing up and performing. Um but in like a steady, consistent, more yeah. even killed kind of way. <laughs> uh, not not the intemperate way that, that Mars will tend to, which has, you know, its its role is is the extreme situation that you need to perform in. Um, mm -hmm. No, the walk in the park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine like bringing guns a blazing <laughs> to a walk in the park. That'd be not not. Nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, uh, you you could bring a water gun to the park, and that's true. You know, be fun. <laughs> yeah. Mars and Gemini. Mars and Scorpio. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fun. Um, but like a big, you get like a big, you know, shiny ruby, and you'll be probably oh, juicing yes. up both mm -hmm. Mars and the Sun. Um, Think uh, another one too, Jasper. Um, I've used Jasper, a lot. Huh? Mm -hmm, yeah. Uh, on my Mars procedures, and um, yeah. But I think that Jasper, I would more so recommend, and this is just from my own like experimentations for the people that want to boost Mars rather than uh, uh, kind of soothe it a little bit. Because mm -hmm. when I did use Jasper for my Mars thing, that's it was a bit too much Mars <laughs> yeah. for, uh, <laughs> for my own good. Uh, and myself as a day chart, I definitely uh, felt that one. So yeah uh yes jasper for the night people great <laughs> mars rules your one of the good houses even greater but uh definitely i would stick with the other ones otherwise yeah it it can be good to sort of experiment a little bit and see mm -hmm. how you respond to certain things um yeah certain approaches to help kind of fine-tune it um mm -hmm. and you know learning learning about mars in your chart 
Uh, yeah. As we're like, I feel like we're like right. Um, it's like the the time for preparation before the retrograde is kind yeah. of starting to to end. So, but I mean, at the same time, it's like uh what is it? it's the night before you know an assignment's due like do the assignment still yeah <laughs> like, like, you do your best and like, i think turn too, something in um uh, before even going into the chart another um good way of thinking about remediation and whether you need it or not is to look at symptoms um because these these things are in your chart mm-hmm. but they're pointing towards something that uh, is very real and sometimes it can manifest in your body um me myself as an example with mars and gemini in the 12th house um one of the the things that has happened with me multiple times during uh, heavy mars transits is that i would get heavy rashes on my hands and my fingers like it got to a point where i got like infections and it was really bad and like if i had known astrology at that time i'd be like oh yeah this is a mars thing (laughs) oh yeah uh um, right now (laughs) but then i not so much but I did prepare a list of uh, symptoms that people um, might want to like nice. consider or think about. Mm-hmm. Um, so like sudden fevers, I think is the the obvious one. And sometimes you probably, you probably also want to go to the doctors if you're having fevers at that point. But even just the sense of feeling too hot um, because Mars and Gemini and things like that. And probably um, this is more, more so true for the people in the south, um, because the Mars retrograde is happening um, during the Capricorn uh, quarter of the year, uh, where the heat will be there. So, like avoiding going out when, during like heat warnings and things like that, uh, probably mm-hmm. be a really good one. Um, one one of the ones that I thought was really interesting is also burning in the left ear. Is <laughs> I think this mm. is from uh, Lily actually. Um, uh is another one which i also have had before <laughs> i was reading i was reading these lists of symptoms and i'm like oh i've had all of these <laughs> but yeah so burning in the left ear uh migraines uh burning some blisters like i was saying with my own case um my friend also who is and currently in the mars year and mars has been um activated um recently is also reported getting a lot of cuts and like very strange cuts like like excessive paper paper cuts or even something Mm -hmm. like silly like that sometimes can be a a good sort of warning sign that maybe mars needs a little bit of attention um it's good yeah also anger bursts uh might be a thing that uh, is very martial and very easy to notice um and restlessness and manic episodes uh, um and i think when we're thinking about manic episodes it's it's hard to really notice in the moment but if someone is selling you, hey, like you're you're uh, having some uh, strange ideas lately, <laughs> maybe listen <laughs> to them. <laughs> uh, and I think uh, these come from um, Alberuni to you. Um, he says uh, uncontrollable sex drive and itchy genitals are also another symptoms of uh, Mars issues. So pay attention yeah. to those. And oh, of yeah. course, the bodily ones, if you're feeling them, you're screwed off, so I'll go to the doctor. <laughs> go to doctor yeah. <laughs> you know, what's um, funny, those are all really good examples. And actually, I'm thinking about, for me, uh, when I was getting into astrology, I was like, oh, whoa, that explains this a lot. Because I had like really, and it didn't even show up till like I was a little bit older, like a little bit out of adolescence, like 
1920. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can get really, really bad acne. Uh, and right. like inflammation is very much a Mars symptom. And I'll still get like flare ups like uh, around Mars transits. But and then before I got into astrology, I discovered a magical solution, which happens to be red in color, interestingly, but it is uh, uh, as a Texan thin, which is a uh, cool. <laughs> I can't pronounce it, <laughs> but I just if you do have this particular Mars problem uh, with acne, take this stuff as a Texan thin. It's uh, one of the most potent antioxidants in the world. Uh, it's derived from fish and it's like red in color, mm-hmm. but it'll um, if you give it like a, a few months, it will like basically prevent the oxidation of your sebum. Nice. And I had not I, had, I saw a lot of dermatologists that could not give me answers. Uh, but just as a, as a tip, as you know, sometimes er- herbal remedies can be um, or just intuitive kind of uh, natural remedies can be can be an okay route to go uh but just mm-hmm. see a doctor first too <laughs> yeah if you're dealing with with mm-hmm. literal health health problems see a professional don't just go to google <laughs> oh yeah 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 you probably freak yourself out too yeah and <laughs> even um if like the the herbal medicine and the astrology um the medical astrology is more of your the thing that you're looking for and don't want to go to like a um like a doctor, doctor, like a Western doctor. There are professional medical astrologers that you can go to, <laughs> you know, uh, who are also regular doctors and have like uh, studied both. So these are probably the people that you want to go to if you have any of these symptoms and anything like that. Um, not just listen to me and Google, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's good to pair it. Uh, you can pair mm-hmm. pair these things. Of course. You know? And it's a good warning sign too. Like, okay, I have a sense, you know, what's what's very intemperate in my life or my mm-hmm. character that might point to a Mars problem of some kind. Yeah, I think uh, one other thing too um, might be of like, well, it depends. I think with the Mars retrogrades, I think it's probably best to be on the avoidant side <laughs> rather than boosting Mars because. Retrogrades, for those of you who don't know, the planet is already closer to Earth. Um, so it's yeah. it's already very much here. So to boost that, I don't know if we need that. So tempering would be a really good one. And one of the things that I also like to do uh, for remediation, because these are things that are so easy to implement in your like day-to-day, is also flavors and foods and different mm-hmm. things like that. And just... Taking things out and adding things in into your diet uh, can really make a difference. Um, we we're talking about um, how lunar things and Venusian things, um, because they have that cooling and moisturizing effect, can be a little bit of um, a help to Mars. So you can even just think about things that are cool and moist and that you like, like a, a nice bowl of ice cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can go a long way during a Mars transit. Like if yeah, you've ever cool, been yeah. very angry and you had a bowl of ice cream, I can promise you, you'll be <laughs> a lot less angry. <laughs> yeah, you can soothe, soothe. The... <laughs> cool it down. No, totally. Actually, uh, that's a good mm-hmm. one. Actually, ice cream. Just eat some ice cream. Yeah, you need some ice cream. You want to punch a wall? <laughs> Don't. <laughs> yeah. Eat ice cream Just... instead. Yeah, pick your battles too. Like, mm-hmm. no, you know, I think it's not a bad 
take is like, yes, there are times when you do have to stand and fight for something. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you do that if you have to, but uh, lean on the side of, mm, do I need to do this? Do I need to to get into this conflict? Because uh, mm-hmm. you're sort of more likely to be in for uh, in for more <laughs> if you a long sort of one step, step into it. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be six months be drawn, of arguing. Do you really want to do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But but yeah. Also, hopefully, that's at least uh, a good starting point. Oh, but no, yeah. so, sorry, you go on. Hmm? I was thinking we might want to move on to our next question here shortly oh but, sorry yeah I, any, I totally any final thoughts no 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 uh, questions i could talk uh, about this for hours i just wanted to to say about uh adding foods and yes ice cream and cooling things like uh, watermelons and fruits are very like juicy and cooling but also to avoid one of the more obvious ones is spicy things and even just avoid eating hot foods very often like soups and things like that and really go more towards like having more smoothies and like very like light and like um i guess very not moist it's not the 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 word that i'm looking for but very juicy sort of like Mm -hmm. you think of cucumbers and like nice veggies and things like that you know oh yeah yeah which is like moon foods Mm -hmm. Um, no it's funny because i love spicy food and oh man same. tend to be indiscriminate about when I consume spicy food. And I have been uh, working on like finding like when the right times are for, <laughs> for me to have spicy food. Mars on- uh, honestly has one of the best foods because I was just looking at the, the list. I'm like Ugh. garlic and ginger and onion. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> I know. <laughs> what am I gonna eat then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No uh, spice. I- Bland ass food. <laughs> Salt and pepper only. Not even pepper, I guess. <laughs> I try to use it to, because um, I do need Mars. I rely on Mars for a lot. Uh, so I, I try to use it in a way that's like, okay, I'm kind of um, using this to, to fuel Mars's activities around this. Like, I need you, Mars, for this. So, and I'm going to use you for this. Uh, and, you know, I'll kind of approach it that way. But it's it's still a, a, a fine-tuning process, you know. <laughs> Never uh, done deal. We're always trying to be better people. Yeah. Okay. So with that, are we ready to move on to our second question? Yes. This one's a little more straightforward or simple, I think, or or not. Well, I guess we'll see. Um, uh, <laughs> our second question today comes from Sandra. And uh, she writes, I was listening to the generational astrology episode of the astrology podcast recently and just found it really interesting. I'd really love to hear more about Pluto generations and what they mean. And that's it. That's (laughs) nice. uh, Which is not a uh, it's actually a topic that I'm also very interested in. Um, And I'm always down to talk about things I'm interested in. I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think that's why I have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. I appreciate this question because it's sort of like uh, like letting us run loose on on a, on a topic. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So just for the record, listeners, if you ever feel like posing a question that way, uh, super, super okay with that. Just know that you'll get um, what you're asking for. <laughs> 
<laughs> anymore. <laughs> oh man. But if anyone follows me on Twitter, they probably already know. <laughs> when it comes to outer planets, I don't use them and I don't specialize in them, but I sure do love talking about them. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you're working. I don't know. I feel like I've noticed you like uh, you're trying to flesh it out, I think. And I'm always doing that with the outer planets. And that's kind of what I love about them mm-hmm. is that they are kind of un fully mapped out territory yes and there's still like there's still a lot of room for um new discoveries and maybe just new uh ways of thinking about it uh, and mm-hmm. i like that sort of having kind of your solid well established kind of um planets and then your outer planets that are like oh what are these like still sort of right um being fine-tuned i i'm I enjoy that process a lot mm-hmm. and a lot of great work's been done on it. Um, and I, I guess for my purposes, I, I do use the, the outer planets, um, but I do tend to use them in this kind of generational context. Not that they're not mm-hmm. um, personal or, or don't speak to your personal experience, but just in kind of terms of how you fit into maybe a generational theme or pattern. Um, right. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot that's useful about that perspective, about that way of approaching it. Yeah, um, for me, uh, outer planets right now are very much in the, that conceptual sort of phase of trying mm-hmm. to understand like what what is this, <laughs> yeah. what does this mean that it exists, um, and what is the difference between the inner planets and the outer planets and I guess when I say the inner planets in the sense I'm really talking about the visible planets versus invisible planets. Um, Mm -hmm. Because as much as I I would like to put outer planets in their own sort of little corner, I feel like the, as a concept, any invisible astral body kind of fits into that same sort of like category of we don't see it, it still moves, still exists, <laughs> then <laughs> it, it has to mean something uh, in one way or another. And as I, I like to identify myself as a very hardcore animist, and for me to say that, um, to, to say that I'm an animist and to also say that asteroids and outer planets mean nothing and <laughs> are nothing uh, would be very contradictory. So. Um, for me, one of the the ways that I'm trying to wrap my brain around these outer planets, um, and I guess I'll I'll keep this explanation exclusive to Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, and the rest can come later. But is that they're planets, but they're more so more speaking about humanity as a uh, whole like the mm-hmm. human <laughs> the human <laughs> archetype not the the humans <laughs> yeah and that to me that, that brings to me a lot of interesting thoughts because one of the things is that can does that mean that eventually we can get to a point where we can experience life as the human as opposed to the humans. <laughs> yeah. And, um, 
if that's true, what does that mean <laughs> for us? Uh, I almost picture us like a tiny little amoeba clumping together <laughs> uh, and moving in unison um, when Uranus becomes visible in the night sky. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm answering the question. I'm just going on off on uh, outer planet ramblings. But I, I mean, I think that kind of was the question, or it was. It was it's not even as much a question as just an invitation to um, <laughs> to refine maybe the the topic of Pluto hmm. and it's um, as it relates. I think Pluto in general, but as it relates maybe to to that, um, I guess generational component generational or that. Uh, yeah, which I, I I like the. I feel like you're hitting on a lot of the way I, I tend to think about it, or especially lately, because um, like Pluto, we'll say. Uh, it does seem to have a way of showing up in a sign and um, kind of polarizing that sign, sort of like warping it a little bit, um, sort of like turning up the volume really high on one part of that sign and maybe down on another part. Um, it was like the sort of toxic waste <laughs> uh, metaphor where you get, um, mm -hmm. you know, like a Pluto being like a, a bit of a toxic waste spill. Uh, in the sign or you know around the planet that it's touching and you know that can um make your face melt off but it can also uh turn you into like the toxic avenger or or some sort of supervillain as well um and that is a fun way to think about it but i'm always sort of looking for like but how does it play out you know yeah. um and I always tend to start with like Pluto and cancer because that's what it was in when we discovered it, right? It was cancer. Mm -hmm. And I know like Alan White, uh, traditional astrologer, uh, used the outer planets, but like just he only recognized like Pluto as existing um, as of its discovery. So like he wouldn't recognize, say, like the, the Pluto return in Capricorn. He would be like Pluto is always, uh, if anybody was born um before its discovery pluto is at that part of cancer uh oh wow in their chart which is an interesting perspective um mm -hmm. but uh and i i'm still on the fence about it to, to one degree or another but i, I do mm -hmm. tend to think of it as um like pluto and cancer uh that was around world war post-world war one um into world war two I used to have these dates better memorized, but um, you basically had the rise of nationalism. And what is nationalism but an extreme form of clan mentality, mm -hmm. which cancer is kind of notorious for. And, and it's kind of like cancer describes the role that that mentality um, has in our lives and, and its importance even because, you know, it's good to, to recognize like, oh, you're part of my group. I can trust you. And I can kind of take you for granted. I don't have to worry about you. Um, and there's a function and use for that. There's obviously problems that come with that. And Pluto in cancer seems to sort of describe like showing up to cancer and um, taking it to the extreme uh, with fascism, where you um, try to create a nation that is this sort of hard clan that has a shell around it. Um, and everybody's sort of bound together in this big national family and even trying to like purify that uh, 
or see how far we can take it. And that is how I tend to look at Pluto in a sign uh, in general. It's like, you know, the topics of that sign, Pluto's going to sort of want to take them to the extreme. Um, and through that experience, uh, which can be quite traumatic, unfortunately, but uh, can also be positive as well, we sort of refine our relationship around it. Um, have an opportunity to at least, because I think since, say, fascism, um, we have sort of gone through this process of uh, questioning our relationship with nationalism and national identity. Right. Uh, to the point where we're, you know, granted, we're sort of revisiting that, I think, with Pluto and Capricorn to some degree, but um, right. it's sort Which of like promoting about, uh, the whole Cancer Capricorn axis. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm like, whoa, like, which, how is it different? <laughs> I mean, it's different, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. It, it makes me think kind of, uh, kind of what you're saying, like, um, it does seem to blow up the consciousness around the topic mm -hmm. to include others in that, but it also maybe refines it personally. But I, I wonder sometimes if these are like almost permanent sort of changes in the sign to, to one degree or another, if you think of it in terms of, um, you know, a Pluto generation will say, will right. fundamentally have a different experience of that sign and everybody alive during that time will have a different experience of that sign. And it lasts for a long time. Um, and the sort of, not that everything around Pluto is traumatic, but like the traumas maybe that that describes does have uh, an enduring impact um, on society and people. Right. We're always sort of uh, kind of living out the legacies of, of, <laughs> of uh, ancestral trauma to one degree or another. Yeah, no, that, that does make a lot of sense. And I never really stopped to consider that in, in the reading. And I think that that's one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why I don't use outer planets in my readings is that yeah. sometimes it can speak of something that's so large that it's yeah. hard to like get grounded again. And I think that, and I, I don't, I don't see this uh, to, Am I allowed to swear? <laughs> of course. Oh, I, yeah. I don't say this to, to, to shit on uh, fucking um, uh, evolutionary astrologers or anything like mm -hmm. that. But I think that's why uh, uh, evolutionary astrology does so well with outer planets and nodes, which are invisible things. It's because it mm -hmm. speaks of, they primarily focus and speak on invisible forces of your psyche and your internal world and things like that. And I think astrology as of, well, not as of late, but for the past little while, it had this really big sort of like focus, like what is the sole purpose? What is this big, big, big narrative that we're in? And yeah. while I think that's very useful, I think without having the other planets to really ground that back in and try to understand like yes that's the big picture but mm -hmm. what about my breakfast this morning <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know like what am i gonna have am i gonna have food for to last yeah. a month <laughs> those are two very different questions um oh yeah and i think both of them have a place but i think that that's what 
the outer planets were still missing and this is what I try to always do with my Twitter ramblings on outer planets is try to see how that big thing actually has a say in the smaller things in our day-to-day. Mm. Um, and I think there's many different ways of getting to that. But since we were talking about Mars, I think um, one of the ideas that I'm playing with uh, to understand the, the outer planets is this idea of them being the gods of the gods in the same way that... Uh, um, and I can't even explain why we don't see them. It's because they, they're not for the human. They're for the god. <laughs> and the gods respond to them. And then in their response... Um, they have to change how they then deliver what it is that they're supposed to deliver to us down here in the sublunarly uh, sphere. So um, thinking about outer planets being the gods of the gods, then I'm thinking which god prays to which god. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I think Mars would probably be the the worshiper of pluto not just because of (laughs) um scorpio and how there's there's always been a debate about who rules scorpio these days mars or pluto but also just because of their their symbolism and again if anyone's been on twitter (laughs) you've seen (laughs) my pluto and aries uh ramblings um and i think just thinking about those um how both Aries and Scorpio have a little bit to say about Pluto. Maybe we can get into um, into understanding the the more mundane and day to day applications of these planets. By then, look by not by these planets. I guess um, my example here is Pluto. We can understand the um, the applications of Pluto and the day to day by understanding Mars and how Mars interacts with it. Maybe you can ask. Um, about the Pluto-Mars synodic cycles and how those uh, tend to bring events in a person's life mm-hmm. or in the world at large. These are all like interesting questions that I think aren't being asked enough. <laughs> and yeah. I'm very excited to uh, hear more people talk about it. Yeah, I- it is nice, I think, and very important to have that sort of um, that grounding in the, the visible planets. Mm-hmm. But it's like since having kind of gone through that process, I it's been sort of nice to find this like kind of comfortable place uh, with my relationship with the outer planets. And even um, you mentioned evolutionary astrology, and that was probably like most people. Um, sort of like my introduction into astrology, not really yeah. knowing it was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, evolutionary astrology and having sort of come, come through sort of both ends of the, um, the rabbit hole a little bit. I, I feel like I get why that is important, um, to have maybe that broader kind of generational perspective. Yeah. Even it's cause we want to fit ourselves, not just into our own stories, but into the story of of humanity right and like mm. the longer human drama um that sort of naturally has to come secondary to our uh um <laughs> you know our day-to-day uh actual lives you know we, we don't want to get so caught up in that 
drama that we forget to live our own lives. Um, but, you know, we also can get very much caught up in those cycles. You know, you think of Pluto and cancer generation uh, and even just how generational, uh, the way that we lump generations tends to correspond uh, very surprisingly neatly with uh, Pluto cycles and, I mean, Neptune and Uranus to uh, another degree, but it's a digression. Where was I going with it? Shoot. Um, you know, if you were a Pluto born during Pluto and cancer, there was a good mm -hmm. chance that you, your life got, um, very much entwined with, uh, the rise of nationalism and the, right. um, movements that were taking place. Uh, not that we could like pin everything on Pluto, obviously Pluto, the sort of, uh, I, I like your, 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 using the term or just the idea of like the gods of the gods, kind of like they're the, the, <laughs> the visible planets are sort of answering to them in some way. Mm -hmm. um i do tend to think of them as kind of uh i don't know if you're familiar with hp lovecraft at all but the like the great old ones or the, the elder gods like these gods that are mm -hmm. um very alien and kind of yeah. indifferent to human experience in, in mm -hmm. a lot of ways um which is kind of terrifying yeah. not that i love malevolent. i love that explanation actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> because uh one of the one of the things that I always have uh, a hard time with outer planets is not having qualities and all sorts of other things to think of them mm. about. Like I, I, we don't have like, oh, Pluto is cold and whatever. It's if we really think about it, from Uranus onwards, everyone's gonna be cold and dry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, we don't have that, and to to uh, and. To kind of go on on what you said about them not really like caring or even like being able to relate to human affairs is that those qualities are human. Um, and for them to not even have those is like they're really out there and it's not yeah. really for one. It's not for one person to understand the, uh, this God or archetype. It's for the like we're talking about the generations and um all of humanity to kind of come to terms with it yeah yeah and i don't know i guess i'm a uh it's easy for me to like stand on the fence um between like being you know literally animistic and not um more metaphorical and because mm -hmm. i guess it's gotten easy for me to like not need to make the distinction because yes. there almost isn't one <laughs> but there are mm -hmm. uh, sort of ways of building reality um but there is like that, uh, the thing with the outer planets is I guess it does point, they do point to a tendency that, that humans have, uh, that we, we, we do tend to take things, um, as far as we can, you know, and it's actually kind mm. of how we evolve. And that sort of, this has kind of gotten me back in touch a little bit with the evolutionary perspective and why, yeah. you know, they use Pluto so heavily because it does seem to have this relationship with evolution and mm -hmm. evolution is a kind of an invisible thing you know we, we don't see evolution happening uh, we see evidence of it yeah um over many many generations and you know we can have a sort of personal evolution um but there's also this this broader cycle that we fit into in different ways and connecting with that can be really meaningful uh i i do uh, maybe one of the things i found interesting about the sort of idea of like Pluto generations and stuff is it does sort of connect you with, you know, the, the time that you were born into mm -hmm. what's maybe 
unique about that experience. And that has its own meaning, even though it may not change, you know, your, your life specifically, it, it does in, in a kind of a broader sense, you know, um, imagine I have a younger, a younger sister, um, who is a Pluto in Sagittarius mm -hmm. and, uh, it's actually Sag rising too. And, oh, wow. uh, I like think about that with like her friend group and like just people her age. I'm just like interested in like, not even if I didn't have astrology as that sort of frame, uh, mm -hmm still just interested in like the ways that they're different or the, the ways that they think differently, the way that they approach things differently. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious, cause you do have Pluto and Sag, right? I do have Pluto and Sag um, at zero like degrees. I'm zero like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I am the first Pluto retrograde that doesn't leave Sagittarius. It's like, it, it uh, just yeah. stays there. Um, I thought you were going to say I'm the first Pluto in Sagittarius, which I, I actually <laughs> thought to know who the first person born. <laughs> that's my, that, that would be my Leo moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am the first one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But it's funny. It, they're actually trying, which is funny. <laughs> um, but, well, trying whole sign. But yeah, that's not important. <laughs> Where was I going with this? Yes, I, I do have Pluto in Sag. And it's always an interesting thing because I, don't really relate to my um, um, generation, I guess. It's um, mm. it's it's one of those things that I always struggled with, and I think that it's, it contributes a little bit to my uh, outer planet dilemma. Is that it's very, especially Pluto, like Neptune, Uranus. I have an easier time understanding and applying to my chart, but Pluto is one of those, and I'm like. I don't even feel part of this generation. <laughs> this is very strange. Um, but yeah. You are kind of like in between straddling the the border. You, you, well, you do have Neptune in Aquarius too, right? Yeah. Because you have like a. No, I have Neptune and no, Capricorn still. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's one of the interesting things I think uh, about this period of time and those generational cycles is that Pluto are in this mm -hmm. kind of weird, you know, part of their cycle where they're just, they've been sextile for like the last hundred years or so. And yeah. those like sign changes tend to happen pretty tightly. Uh, but not that long ago, I was thinking about that. It's like the people that are sort of caught in between the sextile where, you know, maybe the they changes, don't see each other. Yeah. yeah and it's sort mm -hmm. of like the, whatever it is that that relationship is describing for people on a larger scale, it's like that smaller sort of group in between might have just like a I don't know a different just a different experience of whatever it is that they're describing which I don't always feel like I need to to identify and that's kind of I don't know it, it, it sort of like reveals itself in, in weird ways yeah I um I don't know I I'm curious because you do sort of have that quality of standing in between two generations and even just the the year you were born like i have a sister who is it 95 96 um mm -hmm. who is pluto and scorpio but like just like it just retrograded back um yeah and 
how I'm like, oh, like <laughs> I feel like I'm like, oh yeah, you're in the club now. Like you, you just made it in. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> But there is like a, a way that like that sort of plays out for her too. And I, I wonder if for you, even just like ignoring the astrology, if there's like things about your generation that like what it is about that maybe you have a hard time identifying with or um, yeah, that might highlight uh, in some way. But I, I think that also speaks mm-hmm. to different other things in my chart too, because mm-hmm. I just don't come across people in my life that are part of my generation really like i have probably like two friends <laughs> they're <laughs> around my my age all my other friends are like in their 40s <laughs> oh yeah so yeah. It, it, i i think that also plays a, a huge role on me not really understanding or being able to relate to it but i think one of the if i'm thinking doing opposite of what you asked me to do <laughs> but <laughs> if i'm thinking of just the astrology and the symbolism of Pluto and Sagittarius and maybe having to do with um, like religiosity taking being taken to an extreme. Um, mm-hmm. That is when I can begin to understand it a, li- a little bit more mm-hmm. because religion and just the, the whole Sagittarius vibe of like there is the right religion sort of thing is definitely something that mm-hmm. uh, if we're speaking of trauma that has like i guess colored my trauma <laughs> with <laughs> a, a shade of pluto and sag um now that that's the the most immediate thing that i think about but it definitely plays a role in it um especially growing up in brazil with a very religious mm-hmm. family and uh. um then trying to come and then going through that whole transition of oh atheist to agnostic to now <laughs> i worship planets uh is uh is is very interesting and maybe it could be that the pluto and sag is that that drive or pursuit to creating your own sort of religion and maybe as, the more i talk about this the more it's making sense because <laughs> uh i think a lot of the a lot of the the, the things that might come from that pluto inside generation is this um like personal religion sort of cult <laughs> where <laughs> everyone is uh everyone is in the same religion because no one is in a religion. Everyone just has uh, a belief. Um, Mm. And maybe that could be what Pluto does to Sagittarius when pushed to an extreme is that to really fit everyone in the same boat, we have to make sure that every, that the boat fits every single difference (laughs) or it's a boat of differences. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Who knows? Maybe there's something there. I, I think those are really good points. Actually, uh, I like the, those. It tends to be what I think about with the Pluto and Sag um, mm-hmm. generation, or what what that will be. You know, because it's still yeah. evolving. Um, but that sort of taking uh, the idea of ideology to an extreme, uh, or mm-hmm. even like because Pluto will sort of block, but also amplify at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, which I, I guess yeah. I think of it in terms of like you could remove, like Pluto could mean on in and of itself nothing, 
other than just a point that spends a long, long time in the sign sort of dragging over the little like degree by degree, like it'll transit over the same degrees like several times uh, during its retrograde and mm-hmm. um, direct cycle. Mm, that's been uh, opposing my ascendant. Do I know about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. And your son too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I guess I don't freak out that much about Pluto transits. I mean, Not at all. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm already uh, have Pluto configured to pretty tightly to a lot of my stuff um in, in hard aspects so i I, mm-hmm. I guess i like you know give me what you got pluto like i'm mm-hmm. not afraid of you but <laughs> um, also like uh going on another tangent but i think that this is uh one other thing that stops me from using out of planets is that not knowing when an outer planet transit is actually relevant um mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem because with the other planets, we have all sorts of systems to figure that out. Um, but with the outer planets, um, it's, it almost seems like it's this like hit or miss. Like you just don't know <laughs> yeah. if it will be relevant yeah. or not. Or some, or maybe it is, a, it is relevant, but because they're invisible, you just don't see the, the relevance of it immediately either. Um, and that makes it really hard. Yeah, that makes it really hard to um explain and especially when clients come to me with like oh i have a pluto, pluto transit and i'm worried about it and i'm like i don't know if you should be yeah what's going on? <laughs> you tell me <laughs> <laughs> just because and and it's not that it doesn't do anything and sometimes people might un- misunderstand me when i when i go in on these outer planet debates is that i don't think pluto doesn't do anything or the other outer planets don't do anything but it just seems to be such a slower process that to worry about is about it is almost redundant because mm-hmm. it's just going to take so much time to pan out. Um, and so many things have to happen in that process that it's much more useful to focus on those things that are, have to happen in that process than the, the big picture as a whole. Cause I think if you, yeah. if you have the, the foundation laid out, very neatly than whatever it is that that Pluto transit or Uranus or Neptune or whatever is trying to do um, will be, I guess, not less impactful, but more supported. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I I mean, I guess what I like about maybe working with the outer planets is that it forces you to connect with what's going on in the world at large right now. Mm -hmm. And if you're having a big transit, like, yeah, Take a look at what's going on in your local sphere, but in the global sphere. And how might that affect you in your life? Like how, how do these big changes uh, affect you? Like, how does that point to you? Because they can and do change, you know, your Mm -hmm. life. If there's a a big uh, um, recession or something, you know, you might lose your job or, you know, Mm -hmm. you might have to change jobs or change you know, your entire lifestyle and uproot and move somewhere else. Like th- yeah. those are the sorts of things that might happen. Um, but it also might just, you know, you might just be caught up in whatever it is that is being sort of worked through on, on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, might be more meaning, might be more or less meaningful to you. It, it's hard for me to like isolate Pluto uh, on its own. Um, mm-hmm. Cause there's always 
something else going on and and like there's so many yeah. different ways uh that that uh we can track these sort of generational cycles um but pluto because it's like the slowest moving point that we sort of use i mean i guess uh there are people who use iris a lot i have not um yeah some started doing that obsession necessarily yeah. yeah i i i'm I'm curious what people have to say, uh, I guess. But at the same time, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't really know how to use it yet. So I, I can only put so much um, I mental energy into it. I do have a pet peeve about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not to when I, the Mars and Gemini comes out. <laughs> yeah, or, uh, my I, only, I don't know. I think you hit on it a little bit. I, I, do, I, do have to have, I do have to have this. <laughs> my only argument I, is that the further out we go, the more the less relevant these cycles will be to one individual's life and i think it's important to study those really long cycles but Mm -hmm. i think we need to know what they do (laughs) yeah well and it might i mean it might just have a blanket sort of change in the expression of aries Mm -hmm. you know Aries is an aries but um pluto like uh, I don't know. It sounds almost like what you're saying. I don't know, like a Pluto and Sagittarius, like having a, uh, I, I know what is right <laughs> sort of quality, mm-hmm. or I have no idea what is right. Like, I don't know. There's like a, a, yeah, the way that Pluto will polarize it, like a sort of forcing you to, to rubber band a little bit back and forth on it or, mm-hmm. or explore the nuances of that, the way that Pluto would kind of have to since it's like mm-hmm. neat, 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 like going through the sign like inching over every little minute of it um right but i mean it obviously like you look at the rest of the chart too and how things connect in that way and it, it can sort of add to a theme um because i just it, it almost seems obvious to me like in some ways with like pluto and scorpios and um it's like the, just the general distrust that I think is prevalent in that age group where uh, in part of this is maybe Neptune and, and Capricorn, where there's like a, it's not a, like a, a rosy, maybe outlook uh, or, or uh, there's a lot of like apocalyptic sort of uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> visions, maybe. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Even, fantasies about it wouldn't it be great if everything was destroyed and we could just build it all died. over again yeah. <laughs> everybody just died i you know i'm uh, <laughs> i have this thought every but now it, and then. it is so not, funny not really. <laughs> because it's so true that that is <laughs> such a uh like the joke like the of the generation you know mm-hmm. and i, I uh, had this the other day we were riding bikes with my son um and my sister and we were going to get ice cream mm-hmm. and uh, we had this thing called the woodward dream cruise where i live where it's just a bunch of people like staring at cars mm-hmm. um but the main road around this area is just clogged with with people uh and they're really old and expensive cars and they just stare at them like that thing gotta hear me and i just don't get it at all i'm very interested in watching the people <laughs> But I hate like uh, getting stuck in the crowd or like having to walk my bike around all these people. And like, don't get me wrong. Like, I I do not want to see people. I don't like actually people. Um, I don't want people to go away, really. But sometimes I'll have the thought where I'm like, you know, it's kind of too many people. <laughs> maybe maybe we could use less of them. Uh, right. 
they could just kind of go away uh, a little bit or just spread out or, you know, uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I don't want to air all these thoughts because they're, you know, sound a lot worse than they really are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's uh, you can sort of see those themes and, and I don't know, I can see how you can arrive at the same destination in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there's been a lot of falling out maybe with the Pluto and Scorpio people with, with, uh, and Neptune and Capricorn. Uh, it's hard to like separate them falling outs with, you know, the ways, ways that we believe in stuff, um, the kinds of mainstream mm-hmm. institutions, which, you know, Neptune and Pisces, like can almost get a little too, uh, sparkly maybe with, with the way it presents um, mm-hmm. religion or Everything spirituality. Is real. <laughs> yeah. There's no limits to what you can accomplish it. and be. Yeah, that's that's Neptune and Pisces, and that's beautiful. But I I and I, right? I I think that maybe you know the Neptune and Capricorn people and maybe Pluto and Scorpio are just kind of like, eh, I don't know. Not so sure about that. I would think Pluto and Sagittarius mm-hmm. too, just from the the disposition um like we need to codify this <laughs> into some sort of um right uh one size fits all maybe bake it all into a cookie actually you uh, are you've given me probably my favorite pluto and sagittarius analogy uh, as or not pluto and sagittarius just sagittarius analogy um oh, which is that that cookie that? that baking the cookie like uh i Oh yeah, use that all the time and think about it in that way is that like Sagittarius like that's the cookie that that everybody kind of wants to eat or be part of but like you can't really Mm -hmm. I forget I forget what what exactly the 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 metaphor was it was in one of my uh old horoscopes which I'll start doing soon again I'm very excited for oh yeah I Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, I'm realizing that we both probably need to stop here. I need to to wrap it up. Uh, yes, I need to so much have a to meeting talk about in this. 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I similar uh, situation. So, yeah, well, what, what what do you have going on these days? I'm I am very what excited I by this to hear that you might oh have. Oh, my God. Might be bringing the channel back. <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing the channel back. Uh, my yes. website is almost done i feel like every time that i come here i'm always like yeah the website's almost done (laughs) but this time is legitimately almost done i think i probably will have it done today as we're recording this which is very exciting but that still doesn't mean that it's coming out anytime soon because uh, as an election astrologer Uh, the launching date is very important and i don't think that the weather right now is great for that um, I know. <laughs> right now. Um, Mercury and Virgo is nice, but I I don't think that's enough. <laughs> I I know I'm running into a similar issue because I finally have like a I want to set a launch a Patreon um, mm-hmm. for the podcast. Which I like want nice. to advertise and promote and stuff. Um, and it will be out soon. I just I can't I can't decide in an election for it. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I'm so like. I feel like maybe September. Because right now we're basically in the weeds until like 
2023. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, you sort of have to make do with what, what's available. Yeah, there, there's some, there's some uh, bright moments like that Venus, Kazemi, and Libra. Oh, yeah. 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 Which will I, I was immediately be followed, I think, one. by them switching signs, right? Yeah, immediately. <laughs> that one's kind of an interesting, weird one. <laughs> yeah, sure it's a, a very, uh, very odd. I think for the rest of 2022, there is all these odd sort of things uh, happening. Um, yeah. Because right after, I know that we're digressing again, but <laughs> right after we have that um, Mars retrograde and Gemini, we then have a Mercury retrograde and Capricorn, which I've been thinking mm. a lot about. Um, but yeah, all these sort of exchanges of things, whether it's signs or conjunctions or just having a thing in one sign and then continuing on that story on the following it's a uh, interesting but yeah not important right now <laughs> yeah, I, I know you're you're, uh, you're um, tempting me <laughs> did i did i tell you anything uh that i'm doing website is done uh things are coming youtube channel is coming back i think that's pretty much all i'm up to uh, oh yes uh one thing that i do have to mention um is that when my website comes out, which will be very soon, I will launch a special reading, which um, it's like a, a tier that is more affordable, but it helps my research uh, work. And um, starting with lunar mentions. So soon you will have very affordable lunar mentions reading available in my website. So please um, follow me on Twitter to know more about that. Very nice. I love that. I've actually been wanting to start incorporating those eventually. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like it's an area that I need to study more, but they are mm -hmm. super interesting. I imagine um, any listeners who are going to be at ESAR might also be able to find you there. Oh, yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, so uh, if you guys soon. are going to ESAR, I'll also be there this year um, with Astrology Hub. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess a lot of people know by now that I uh, am part of the Astrology Hub team, but I'll be there um, this year um, representing, I think, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say yet. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm not going to say it, but if you go there and you go look for Astrology Hub, you'll find Joji. Uh, that's guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be around. I will be around. Please talk to me. I yeah. love attention. <laughs> uh, yeah, I sadly will not be there. Um, yeah, so I'm not very this bummed year. Out, but yeah, not next not year, cards, hopefully. But, oh yeah, I mean it's it's very high on my priority list. Mm -hmm. Just uh, you know, being a parent and stuff makes yeah. uh, doing other things difficult. But maybe maybe I'll be able to bring my spawn with me. <laughs> Who knows? Keeping the astrology family business. Yeah. Uh, and then how uh, it'll be, you'll be able to find links in the show notes, but um, what's your, your Twitter? Oh, Twitter, yeah. Twitter uh, my Twitter is uh, astroboy with an I and then Joe and G and all together. Um, so astroboy Joe G. Uh, you'll find nice. me and my website is themercuryrising.com. Whoa. Well, that was uh, I like the way you did that. It was very like 
like you just dropped like a bit of a verse there, like a little. Oh, did I? <laughs> you, you were emphasizing the G and the V. Oh, that's true. Oh, you'll I, hear I it. guess my, my <laughs> musical my musical background still yeah. still exists. <laughs> um, we still yeah. have to do. Speaking of music, we still have to do that uh, astrological I, music episode. I know somebody needs to send in a, a question, or we can just do it. You know what? We can do whatever we want. This is it's your show. We're grown ups. My show. I can do what I want. <laughs> so <laughs> start doing my own questions. What are you um, up to? Me, uh, so much. Um, lots of things trying to get uh, done at the same time, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which I mean, I think they they'll all emerge. I feel like the second I say uh, set an expectation for like um, something being released or coming out at a specific time, I, it's like I run into obstacles to achieving that. So I'm I'm reluctant to um, say definitively when you'll see all, all the different things, but. Uh, you know, still working on that um, Mars research article. Also working nice. on remediation articles. You know, I'm cooking up some courses, um, hopefully. Sweet. In the next several months. Because I like, as much as I like just, you know, talking and being listened to, I, I do actually like <laughs> having uh, interaction with the people that I'm listening mm-hmm. to or that, are, or, that I'm talking to. at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but those, uh, yeah, sort of as they come, there's a lot in, in the pipeline. But for the most part, you can, you know, book a reading with me at Astrology. Jeez. Book a reading with me at my website, guilepierceastrologer.com. And if you want to support the show, keep an eye out for an Astrology Hotline Patreon. There's also Astrology Hotline t-shirts and uh, stickers and some other cool stuff. Oh, I didn't know um, you had t-shirts. I do. Nice. You can find them at uh, astrology. Uh, God, <laughs> KylePierceAstrologer.com. <laughs> um, they're also, uh, I'm not going to overly promote it yet, but we have a special episode planned for the near future. Uh, and there will be a prize involved. Ooh, may uh, or may not include Astrology Hotline merchandise. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe you'll have some in your hands in the near future if, you're, if you have what it takes. Well, let's get that Mars and Gemini juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think that'll actually be, yeah, you'll be having a Mars return. Be ready for some competition. <laughs> oh, I'm so ready for some competition. <laughs> I'm actually not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm adamantly avoiding it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, I want to appease, appease Mars with uh, that is true. going into to whatever battles he leads you into. Well, not whatever. Actually, I, I don't. Not any. My my last Mar my my last Gemini period uh, by Zodiac releasing was me playing a whole lot of So Caliber. <laughs> oh yeah. So nice. let's see if that that'll happen again. <laughs> <laughs> I think Soul Caliber might be actually really good. Mars Remediation. Yeah, it's safe. so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love beating uh imaginary people it's the best oh yeah it's the best video games are so great honestly they're so uh i don't know it's like we all have mars we all need to Mm -hmm. compete and you know the murderous impulses that we all have inside us uh they have this really nice healthy outlet in video games where we actually won't hurt anybody let's play video games might waste a lot of time (laughs) mars and gemini you heard it here first 
Yeah. Greater game renaissance. All right. Well, um, I think we'll call it a day for now. Yeah. And look forward to seeing you all next time. Thanks again for joining me today, Joji. Of course. And anytime. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. If you have a question you'd like to hear answered on Astrology Outline, send us an email at astrologyoutlinepod at gmail.com. Thank you.